Oh, the first, I got to admit, the first 15, 20, 25 times that I watched that this past two weeks, I couldn't help but just have a little tear in the eye. Because it speaks of our home in heaven. And it just, it touched me so much these last two weeks, I, I wanted to bring that to you today. Matter of fact, it was, I was going to use it for a different message. We'll talk about that later. But I just wanted to share that with you. So if you didn't like it, blame Rhonda. If you liked it, you can get me the credit because I told her to do it, okay? <laughs> oh, what a powerful, powerful message. And it, the second part of the beauty of that message, I'm going to tell you. Obviously, the, the words and the song and the heaven is... is uh, uh, a great part of that of that uh, of that song, but the guy that was singing it gets to experience amazing grace because you see he was a he was a great singer, and he still is a great singer. But he made a few bad choices in his life. He made some bad decisions in his life that took him down a different kind of a road, even after he was saved. And people shunned him. People didn't want to hear him sing anymore. But you can see amazing grace when he's up there. You see, failure is never final in God's word. And he can still be used even though he stumbled and fell mightily. And yet God gave him the the courage, the strength to stand up there to sing that song like he sang that song. I am so thankful for amazing grace, okay? Because amazing grace saved a wretch like me. Amazing grace allows me to spend eternity in heaven, even though I do not deserve it. You need to be thankful for amazing grace. That even though we stumble and fall many times, he still loves us. And he still says, I can use you. Son, daughter, let me use you again. And that's what happened. Uh, Warren Stucker, pray for us, please, before we get started. Yes. foundation verse that we're going to look at today just for a few minutes I didn't even tell Dirk on this one John 14 1 through 3 uh, I didn't tell him I don't know if he'll have that up there but that's going to be our, our basis for the message today the, the title of the message is going home going home and uh, if you got it there in your Bibles or whatever that's fine I'll just read it to you it's one of the great uh, great verses uh, in the Bible it is Jesus' last-minute instructions. Thank you, Dirk. His last-minute instructions to his disciples before he's crucified. 
And he knew that, that life was going to be hard. He knew life was going to be sad for them for a while because he was going away. And, and, and he just knew that they would need something to hang on to in, 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 during their sadness and during their grief. And he tells them this uh, beginning in chapter 14 of John. And he says, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again to receive you unto myself. As Christians, we know where that place is. It is heaven. And one day, as born-again Christians, we will be going home to heaven. You've allowed me to go to Zimbabwe uh, five different occasions. And it, for me, it's always an exciting time to be able to go, uh, to go and to see old friends and to make new friends. It's, it's so exciting to go, to be able to, to teach over there and to preach over there and, and, and just to see how, how those people over there in Zim uh, are just hungry for the Word, hungry for the Word. And it's so exciting to be able to go and, and, and to experience this, this basically a new environment and new culture, new traditions, and ever so often to enjoy new food. <laughs> not, not every time. Uh, if you have been ever asked to eat a Mopani worm, about that big, they fry it up real crunchy and chewy. It's a delicacy over here, over there. Here it would be in the trash, okay? <laughs> so, so you just kind of just hang on to some of that food. But, but the point being, it is, it is a, a great adventure. But, I, but after four, five, six days, you know, I start thinking about home, you know? Eight and ten days, I start longing to get back home. And then to 10 and 12 days, I can't wait to get home. I enjoy it while I'm there, but it's time to come home. You know? Coming home, it's an exciting time when you get off that plane and, and there you get to see your family again, Rhonda and Bryce and Drew and Brooklyn and, and, and Goobies and, and Snookies, my two grandkids. It's, it's good to... Uh, be able just to uh, have a home cooked meal <laughs> that tastes like food. <laughs> to to go ahead and and sleep in my own bed and 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 be comfortable. I I, I get to the point in those last few days. I just long to uh, to be home. To to just to relax and kick back and throw the PJs on and throw the, floor, the clothes in the floor. And, and, of course, I pick all those up, you know. She's not here, so we won't say any different. But just a time of being able to kick back. Does that ever happen to you? You've been gone a while, and, and you start looking, looking forward to home. And I hope, I hope your home is is as joyful and as peaceful as as my home is and i know sometimes it's not 
but I know I always look forward to coming home. I had a different message prepared for today, believe it or not. And at, at 4.30, I, we, I'd left the, the church here and, 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 and was headed home. And, and uh, I had this thought that I needed to go back and get a book. Nah. So I went home. <laughs> and the longer I was home, the more that book became important. Because you see, at 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon, God changed the message. I didn't change it. He changed it. And I don't know really why, but I know that he did change it. So this message will be for somebody's in here today. Because you see, when you come to church, I believe wholeheartedly that it is a, a, a divine appointment that you have with God. Every Sunday that you come. A divine appointment. And I believe God wants to speak to you and he wants to speak to me. And he wants to just shout during the message. So today's message will be not what I thought it was going to be, but I think it's going to be a blessing to somebody. You know, as I, uh, I, I stood here uh, Friday afternoon, and I stood by the casket of our dear friend Claude Hanks, and I've stood beside many of loved ones that, we've, that have moved on from this church. I can't help but think about heaven I can't help but think about what they're experiencing right now. I can't think about what every truly born-again Christian gets to be doing today. You see, this is his, his first Sunday in heaven. Oh, my goodness. And I, and I told him during the service, I, I, Claude tried to sing, but they say he wasn't very good. But I guarantee you he's now sitting in the, uh, the heavenly choir. Not making a joyful noise, but his, his song is now beautiful because he's singing from the heart and he's singing to the Lord. And I just can't think, what is going on with Claude and many of the others, loved ones that we have that have been gone on before us? And I, and I know that the struggle that we have, those that have left behind, we struggle with grief, sure. But, but, but so many times we, we get such a grip on this old world that, that we just we just don't want to let it go and in a way that's good because you're supposed to enjoy life I mean Christ said in John 10 10 I've come to give you an abundant life and we and we love life and we and we cherish life and we're supposed to and sometimes that struggle is do I do I want to stay here yeah I do or do I want to go on? And I think probably all of us have had the same struggle. I do. Well, the apostle in Philippians 1, 21 said it this way. He said, to die is gain. To die is gain. That's just kind of a very basic statement in it. To die is gain. And then the next verses there in 23 and 24, we see his struggle the struggle that you and I both have. For he says in this verse, he says, But I am hard-pressed in both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, yes, for that which is better, 
Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. The struggle was real for him. I say the struggle is real for us. So what about that? What about, what's such the big deal about heaven? What is the big deal about heaven? And that's what we're going to look at here today. That's going to be the gist of the message. You know, being a Christian is not the easiest thing in the world. If you're a Christian and you have decided to take a stand for the Lord, not be wishy-washy, not be, I don't know. But if you've decided to take a stand for the Lord and to stand strong for the Lord and not let this old world get a hold of you and, and make you do something and take you in a direction of life that you don't want to go. If you are all in, if you are committed in the Christian faith, you will have some struggles. And the question is, is heaven worth it? Is it worth it to be a person, a Christian, who sometimes gets mocked and sometimes gets ridiculed? And as the longer we go in this old world, most likely persecution will come. Is it worth it? Talking to Dirk back there this morning, Nigeria, in Africa. They are now in the business of hunting down Christians and killing them just because they're Christian. I read somewhere 50,000 have already been murdered. You see, persecution could be coming in America. Not to alarm you, but that is the truth, I believe. Is Christianity, is your faith, is heaven worth it to be able to withstand those kinds of things? How about maybe when you become a Christian, maybe you lose a couple of your closer friends because they no longer believe like you believe. Is heaven worth it? How about some of those things that you used to do? Some of the places you used to go? Some of the things you used to do? And you no longer do those anymore because of your faith. Is, is, is heaven really going to be worth you giving up those kinds of things? And it's a choice we have to make, is it not? Is heaven really worth me forgiving that person that I don't want to forgive? We're told to. Is heaven worth it? Or that person that is unlovable and, and I'm called to love them, is it worth it? Because people will look at it and go, hey, you don't, he don't deserve all that. How about living a sacrificial life for the Lord? How about taking up your cross and following Him daily? How about submitting your life to Him once you got saved and making Him Lord and Savior of your life? And the question is, is it worth it to do that as a Christian? As a born-again Christian? Because the Bible will tell us it, is, it goes against the norms of life. It goes against the culture of life. It goes against everything this world will say is good. And yet, <laughs> the life of a Christian says you will be separated from this old world. The Bible calls it sanctification, where we are sanctified, set apart for His kingdom. And the end game for Christians is what? It's heaven. Is heaven really worth putting up with some of this stuff that we have to put up with. 
And that's, I think, the bottom line is we have to make that choice. We can't be wishy-washy. Is it worth it to make Jesus your Lord? Is it worth it to make Him your Savior? And the answer to both those questions, yes and yes. It really is worth it. And I'm going to tell you why here right now. You know, sometimes we lose sight, do we? All we can see is here. All we can see is what's in front of us. And I hope today you'll get a picture of encouragement of heaven. Why are we doing what we do? <laughs> okay. Why, 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 why do we take those stands and why do we say those words and, and why do we not do what they want us to do? Why do we do that? Well, I'm going to tell you some of the fringe benefits of being a Christian today, okay? And I hope it reminds us. I hope it encourages us. I hope it puts our thoughts on up there as opposed to just down here. Because we know down here is what? It is temporal. You know, Claude had 84 years, great 84 years. But Saturday the 13th of January, he stepped into eternity. And the beautiful thing about Claude, 50, 60 years ago, he made his reservations. <laughs> he made his reservations for heaven. And those reservations never expired, never went out of, out of worth. And on the 13th, he cashed in those reservations because he had given his heart and life to Christ many, many years ago. And now, I believe, because of his faith, he is in heaven today having Sunday morning service <laughs> with his Lord and his Savior. Is it worth it? I believe Claude would tell you it is. Okay, what are the benefits of being a Christian? Heaven as your home. The first one, you go into the very presence of Jesus. The very presence of Jesus. You see, your last breath here on earth is your first breath in heaven. The Bible says he has dispatched his angels when your ordained days are up. And it's time for you to step into eternity. He has ordained your days. And at that point, he will send his angels to come get you. Well, how do I know that? Luke 16, 22 says it this way. And the poor man Lazarus died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom or heaven. And the, and the rich man, he was just buried. What a beautiful picture of, of, of God who loves us so much, sends his angels to take your soul and run your soul through the, through the gauntlet of demons to make sure that you are in heaven. And when you get there, you are in the very presence of holy God. You're in, pre, in the very presence of Jesus himself. And John 14, 3 says, where I am, there you will be also. When you come into his presence, like that song as we started the service, I believe when you come to his presence, you'll finally understand just how much God loves you. We can talk about it now. We can sense it now. We can read about it. You hear me say God loves you. But when you get in his presence and when you get in the presence of Christ, you will then and only then be able to understand 
how much he loves you and how much his amazing grace applied to you at that point. I don't know what you'll do when you get there. <laughs> like the song said, I can only imagine. Will I dance around in excitement? Maybe. Or will you bow the knee in reverence to the one who died for you so that you could be there? <laughs> or would you be like Mary Magdalene when, when Mary saw Jesus as he had, was resurrected from the tomb? Mary Magdalene came and grabbed his, his leg and his ankles and his feet and did not want to let go. You might be like that. You might be like the Apostle John, who the Bible says laid on the chest of Jesus. Just relax. How are you going to relax? I don't know. But I do know, I think, when we get there and, and, and we're finally brought into the presence of God, just like that song said, I just want to see Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, good to see you boys. Good to see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he said, I want to see Jesus, the one who died for me. And I think when we see Jesus, we'll have to be like Thomas. Where, where, where Jesus said, here, look at my hands. And I believe we'll put our fingers in the palm of his hand to see the, the nail prints. And we'll see the nail prints in his feet and we'll touch his side. And I believe we might even see the scars on his, on his forehead of the crown that they slammed on his face and his head. I don't know how you'll react when you come to the very presence of holy God. I believe I'll just probably fall down on my knees and like that song said, cry holy, holy, holy. Because Jesus, you're the one who died for me and my sins. That's exciting to think about that. Second thing I would tell you about heaven that is going to be absolutely super hooper duper as your Christian friends and family members will all be there. That little baby that died at birth or has been aborted, the, the millions that have been aborted, they're there in heaven. That little boy or girl that died at two or three or four or five, that mom and dad didn't get to really see much of them, they're going to be there in heaven, I promise you. And mom and dad, you'll get to rejoice by seeing them again and seeing what God did at that point. You might never understand why God took that little child from you at that point. But when you get to heaven, the Bible says you will see now things clearly and you'll know exactly what God's plan was. What a blessing that will be for all of those folks that have lost little ones. I'll be able to see my little brother, Gary Douglas, who I don't even remember. He died at the age of two, but I'm going to see him one of these days. I'm excited about that. How about that? Uh, how about that mama, that praying mama that prayed for you, or that dad that that uh, that insisted that you come to church, and that dad that left a a legacy of Christianity. I hope you had one of those. If you didn't, that's okay. You start that legacy for your family. You'll see those kind of people there. You'll see that that grandmother and that grandfather that got it all going back in the day who came to church even in a covered wagon maybe 
But if they ever gave their heart and life to Christ, they're going to be there. I can promise you. You'll see that friend or that preacher or that Sunday school teacher that led you to the Lord. Uh, you're going to see them again. Or how about that person that you led to the Lord? You'll see them again. You see, heaven is going to be a great place because family and friends of those folks who have confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and who have believed in their heart that God raised them from the dead, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. And if you have friends and family members that have done that, you're going to see them again one of these days. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 is talking about the rapture. And I love these verses. Then we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. And so it will be, we will be with him, the Lord, forever and forever. You know, I could probably just stop right there, okay? <laughs> Those two fringe benefits of being a Christian, going to heaven, that's, that's all I need right there. To be in his presence forever and forever. And to love and see again my Christian friends and my Christian family. That alone, enough, it should be enough for heaven. But you know, there's more. <laughs> there's more. I got a few more I'm going to throw at you. Because heaven is, just a, is, is a super, super place. Never again to have to deal with sin, sorrow, and sadness. Never again. Never again to deal with sin. Never again to be tempted with sin. Never again to have tears. Never again to be sorrowful. And see, so we have that great promise in Revelation 21, 4, where it says, And he shall wipe away all their tears. And there should be no more death, no more sorrow or mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the former things have all passed away. What a great promise. What a great promise just to be in heaven where I no longer have to worry about sin, tempting, temptation, to be sad, to be sorrowful, to cry them crocodile of tears. Nothing wrong with that. But in heaven you won't have to because of the glory of God will keep shining. No more struggles. No more trials. No more heartaches. No more defeats. You see, God allows things into our life, does he not? He allows things in our life to grow us to be more like his, his son. I mean, we, we experience things in our life because God allows those things in our life. And sometimes we wonder, why, God, are you allowing this in my life? God, I don't like this. I don't agree with this. Yada, yada. But we know that God allows things. And, and, he, and he uses those things to build us. To build us to be a person that looks more like his son, Jesus. So we suffer sometimes. We struggle sometimes. Sometimes we get beat. <laughs> defeat. And yet we say, is heaven really worth it? As I struggle in this old world. Romans 8, 18 answers that question about this suffering. 
For he says, I consider the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory that he has revealed to us. Is heaven worth it? Is the struggles worth it? Is that disease worth it? Paul would say, yeah, it is. Because the things I deal with now do not even compare to what God has for me someday. What a beautiful, beautiful promise. So when we get down and, and, and we're hurting a little bit and we're sorrowful and we're sad or we get another phone call that we don't like. Romans eight eighteen, boy, I, just, I would put that to memory if I was you. The sufferings do not compare what God has for us. Yeah, heaven is worth it. The beauty of heaven is a great fringe benefit of being a Christian. You can think of the most awesome thing that you've ever seen in your life. And it won't compare to the beauty of heaven. You can take this, this beauty that we've seen, a beautiful lake, a beautiful sunrise, a beautiful sunset, uh, the snow-capped mountains, this beautiful lake, whatever it is. And multiply that by a thousand, maybe ten, maybe a million. And heaven will be more beautiful than that. Who wouldn't want to go there? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says it this way. What no eye has seen, ear has heard, or the heart of man can imagine. What God has in store for us. What glory and what beauty he has made for us. We can't even imagine. We can't imagine how glorious heaven's going to be. You think it's nice here. Can't even imagine how pretty it's going to be. The Bible says one day we'll be rewarded for all the good things that we do. Did you know that? All the things that you do here on this earth, that you do for the, for the cause of Christ... What you do in His name, what you do in His strength and His ability, as you allow Him to work in through your life, the Bible says, you know what? You'll be rewarded for that. You see, God's got these guys up there that every time you do something in His name, He's going to write it down. He's going to write it down. And he, ha he has not forgotten the one good thing that you've done. It might just be giving a cup of water somebody that's sweating out mowing hint hint it might it might it could be anything and you think well it means nothing or you open the door for somebody I don't know it means I mean it's just it has nothing and yet God in his awesomeness says I'm writing that down and I'm going to put it down and I'm going to remember that I'm not going to forget that little thing that nobody ever saw but he said I saw it He's going to write it down in heaven. He's going to put it in his book. And he writes that stuff in, in, uh, in ink that will never go away. Permanent ink. And it's there until he needs it again. And in heaven we'll be rewarded for all the things we've done in his name. How do I know that? Hebrews 6.10 tells me that's what's going to happen. The Lord is not unjust so as to forget the work and the love that you've shown in his name.
He's not going to forget it. In having ministered and still ministering to the saints. I even think just speaking to somebody at church. As you share the light of Christ. He's got it. And you'll be rewarded someday for that. What a great blessing. Does it make any difference how we live here on this earth? Yeah. And we'll be rewarded one day. We'll have, we'll have some crowns that, that hopefully we get. And he'll give us those crowns. And, 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 and what are we going to do with those things? We're just going to wear them around heaven? Those crowns? I might get two or three or four. I don't know. Maybe one. Maybe. I hope one. Now the Bible says, no, when you get those crowns that he's going to reward you with. The Bible says you're going to take them off. And you're going to lay them at the feet of Jesus. They don't get no better than that. You don't need them because he's the one that got you there. Because of his faith. Because of his cross. Because of the shed blood. Last one I want to give to you real quickly. And there's many of them. This is just enough for now. When we, when we all get to heaven. Well, when we get to heaven. Well, some of us get to heaven. <laughs> You'll have perfect knowledge in a perfect body. You will know things that you have never thought you'd ever know before. There will never be any more doubt in your mind. No more worry. <laughs> no more, I wonder if this is God's will for my life. I, just, I wonder, is this, is this the path that he wants me to take? You'll never have to worry about that. Do I move to this job? Do I move to this town? Do I stay put? God, what is your will for my life? You'll never have to worry about that. You'll never have to worry about, well, just like Claude, uh, riding around in his, motor, his motorized scooter. That he was dangerous when you got near him because he'd liable to run over you. His legs are now strengthened. His arms are now straight. He now has perfect vision. He has perfect hearing. He no longer slurs these words, but he speaks eloquently. Because the Bible says when, you, when you're in heaven, you're now perfected. You now have a body just like Jesus has a body. A glorified, perfected body that will bring glory to our Lord. What an awesome promise that is. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says it this way. For right now, he says, we see in a mirror dimly. Yeah, we, do. we don't know everything. But then one day, face to face, we'll, see, we'll know. Now I know in part, yes. But then I will know fully just as I have also been fully known. One day we'll have all the answers. One day we'll be able to look at heaven. We'll be able to go, you know, God, I, I get that now. <laughs> I sure didn't get it back then. I sure didn't understand what you were doing there, God. But I didn't really like that, God. And when we get to heaven, we'll have this perfect knowledge. And he will show us why he did, why he allowed what he allowed in our lives. And you'll be able to go, wow, you were right, God. You were right. And I was wrong. <laughs> wow. Perfect plan for my good and for his glory. I hope the message today has reminded you of, of heaven. I hope today's message has encouraged you about heaven. I hope now, after this message, that, that you'll be able to start thinking a little more 
about heaven. Yeah, you enjoy it here. But I want you to see a picture of what's in store for us if you've been truly born again. But being the, being the uh, preacher that I am, I have to just share with you just a little bit the other side of the story. Because the world will tell you everybody's going to go there, to heaven. Oprah would tell you there's 10,000 ways to get to heaven. Pick one, you'll be there. Confucius will tell you one thing. The Dalai Lama and Mama Lama will tell you something else. Buddha would tell you something else. But the Bible says one thing. What is it? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You see, there's only one way to heaven. The Bible says you cannot be good enough to get to heaven. You can't, you can't do enough good deeds to get to heaven. You can't help enough old ladies across the street to get to heaven. Every good thing that you do is not good enough to get you to heaven. You can't give enough money. You can't tithe enough money to the church to get you to heaven. You can't be a good enough person to get you to heaven. You can't be charismatic enough to get you to heaven. You can't just come to church. Coming to church won't get you to heaven. Did you know that? There's only one way to heaven. And that is through Jesus Christ. And until you accept him, you are rejecting him. The Bible says you're either for me or you're against me. Boy, there's not much gray area in that, is there? You see, salvation is, comes from God himself. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it this way. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is, and, and, I, and I like this because I, I just caught this this time. It is the gift of God. I used to say it is a gift of God. And for some reason I caught that today. It is the gift from God. Because you see, salvation is the greatest thing that God could give a person. It is the number one gift. And then it goes on to say, and not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, you can't, you can't work there. You can't be good enough. There's none righteous, no, not one. If today you've never been born again, the, the message today does not apply to you. <laughs> again, just to be honest with you, it doesn't apply to you. It is just for truly born again believers. But if you've never been born again, the last part of this message doesn't apply to you. If, if, if you, there's any doubt that you have ever been born again, that you've ever given your heart and life to Christ, if there's any doubt that you would ever uh, get to heaven or not get to heaven, you need to nail it down. You need to nail that down. Today would be the day to do that. Okay? And like I told you, this was not, this was not today's message, Herman. <laughs> but God changed the message for some reason because I know he's speaking to somebody here today. And as I pray, Father, give me your words that come out of my mouth and put divine power upon those words. As we bow our heads and close our eyes. If you truly been born again, I would just praise him for heaven. <laughs>
as in for heaven. If you've never been born again, you need to figure out how to get there. It's going to be a great, great place. You're going to be with the one who died for you forever and forever. As the music plays and you just do business with God, I'd ask you to pray. However God's leading you to pray. Don't take this time off. 